I'm Dr. Michael Detola. And I'm Megan Strong. Put down the handpiece. You're watching Chairside Live. Welcome to Chairside Live. Megan, how are you doing today? Great, how are you? I'm good. I see we both decided to change our hair up a little bit since the last episode. We sure did. Got a new cut for summer. And I grew mine out about an 18th of an inch. Not easy to see, but it's there. We've got a great case of the week for you today. It's a dentist who sent in a single unit restoration. It represents about 75% of all the cases that we get here at the lab. And he had a little difficulty with the impression and had a creative way to try to fix it. And we'll take a look at that case and what he might have been able to do a little bit differently. Before we get to that though, Megan, you have any news for us today? Sure do. Well, obesity rates are on the rise in this country. Childhood obesity in particular continues to climb at an alarming rate. The Center for Disease Control estimates that 20% of children ages 6 to 11 were obese in 2008. A new study in obesity, the official journal of the Obesity Society, is shedding some light on how this trend may play a role in dental treatment choices for younger patients. The study examined the link between obesity and tooth eruption and found that the teeth of obese children erupt earlier than those of their non-obese counterparts. Obese children had 1.44 more teeth than the non-obese group. The authors of the study say these findings may have clinical importance in dental and orthodontic medicine, both in terms of risk for dental caries due to the extended length of time exposed in the oral cavity and sequencing, which may increase the likelihood of malocclusions. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, when, when you look at kids' mouths, um, it seems like t in a lot of kids, and I guess especially now obese kids, mm -hmm. the teeth are coming in too soon before they have room in their jaw. We'd actually like to wait as long as possible before those permanent teeth actually come into their mouth. So uh, aside from the obesity uh, health issues that that presents, uh, we would definitely like to see kids be able to wait a little longer before those teeth come into their mouth. Sure. Anything else? Yes, a new study shows that Botox injections can deliver relief to patients suffering from bruxism. The study was presented last month at the American Academy of Neurology's annual meeting. The study participants underwent a baseline and screening overnight sleep study, then 13 participants were randomly selected to receive a placebo, while the remaining 10 participants received Botox. The Botox was injected into the bilateral masseter and temporalis muscles. This was the first placebo-controlled trial of Botox for bruxism to incorporate sleep data and did in fact reveal that the Botox safely and effectively improved nocturnal bruxing by relaxing the muscles that move the jaw. Larger trials will be needed to confirm the results, but the study author says these preliminary results are encouraging. That's good to hear. It's impressive the list of indications that they continue to find for Botox. I, I'm afraid though that when a lot of patients would hear about this, they would think that they could get Botox in their lips and have it work for their bruxism, but you were very clear to say that it needs to be injected in, in the masseter and the temporalis muscles. Hence, no trout pout if you're going to get Botox for your bruxism. All right, let's go ahead and take a closer look at the case of the week. On this case, we received a double arch impression from the dentist, and again, it's in a uh, plastic tray. I tend to find these to be um, a little more flimsy sometimes depending on how the patient bites down on it. So I prefer a metal tray but a plastic one. Certainly we've made tens of thousands of crowns in plastic trays and they've been seated just fine so uh, no huge deal there. Just probably personal preference with the metal tray. As we look at the impression I can see that the edge of the impression is right at the edge of the margin and it makes it difficult for me to call that an ideal impression when we can see that the impression actually ends right at the edge of a margin. And for example, if I bring in a 
a good impression at the same time or an ideal impression, you'll notice that on the ideal impression, we're able to see material beyond the margin. So we can see the margin, we can see the end of the margin, then we see material beyond the margin. And that is necessary for us to be able to call it an ideal impression, whereas on the impression we're talking about now, the end of the impression is in fact the end of the margin. I can see burr marks all the way down to the end of the impression. So that's gonna leave our technicians guessing a little bit as to where the margin is. And if in fact, the impression material has gone down far enough to capture that margin. Now, interestingly, the dentist sent us a second impression that he wanted us to use to fabricate the crown itself. And this is the second impression. It's this tiny impression, it's not even in a tray. And you can see when I squeeze it that there's a pretty good chance that this uh, could have distorted uh, in the mouth because you'll see the support that you get with the heavy body material and the plastic tray next to it when I squeeze even harder on this one, you don't see any compression. I don't have to squeeze very hard here at all to get that to move. Don't forget these polyvinyl materials, the ADA spec for them is, you can have two and a half percent physical deformation and that's still acceptable. So the doctor is asking us to make the crown on this impression that he liked better than this one. And then he's asking us once the crown is made to do the contacts and the occlusion on this model. So. I had the technicians pour up both of these models so we could compare these together. And so we've got the model that was poured from the double arch tray, and this is the one that we're gonna use uh, for the contacts and for the occlusion on that crown. And then we also have the model that he wanted uh, the actual crown itself fabricated on. And then we actually uh, sought out two dies from those. And so we're gonna take these and we'll see that the crowns fit on each of the dies individually pretty well, even with those retention grooves that the doctor put in there. So that's a Bruxer crown on the die from the double arch tray. But you're gonna see that even though they fit these two, and here's the transfer die, individually pretty well, that fits pretty nicely there. If we take the crown from the transfer die and we try it on the model from the other impression, it doesn't quite go down and you can see the discrepancy that we have here. So there is some sort of size difference. I can rock it back and forth. I can close the buckle and then the lingual's open or I can close the lingual a little bit more and then the, and the facial's open then. So there is some size difference between the two dies, the one from the uh, conventional impression and then the one from the tiny impression. And so for us to make the crown on this one and then seat it on this one, we're not sure which of these two actually fits the tooth. And so what we'd prefer to do is if in fact you feel that you haven't captured all the details um, in an impression like this, rather than send something like this along and have us make the crown on this and try to fit it back to this so you can take it to the mouth. What I always do is if I miss it on something like this, I'll go back in, try to reestablish a dry field, maybe even have to pack cord again, although it's really difficult to pack cord once it's come out. So I'll typically use the diode laser and just take a whole new double arch impression instead of taking a, a second kind of tiny trayless impression like this. So I think you'll end up with a much better result if you don't like that first impression, you just chuck it, try it again with a double arch tray and take another double arch impression and get that same kind of support that you don't get if you just try to take a tiny pickup impression. That about wraps it up for this edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of myself, Megan Strong, and everybody here at the laboratory, I wanna thank you for your time and your continued commitment to quality dentistry. We'll see you next time.